0: Hey, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, My name is Melissa, and I am one of the pastors here, and uh, it's good to be with you. Yep, we celebrate it all Medicare, (laughs) Uh, sobriety dates, uh, life milestones, and honestly, just give yourself a round of applause because we've made it through today. We totally get here at Mercy Street that sometimes um, getting up and getting out the door and showing up is a Herculean effort. And so it's good to be together both in this room, and we know there's a lot in our community right now that have various health challenges. And so we know that they're watching from home, and we're glad that uh, we can be together in that way as well. Well, um, we have been taking a look at the fruit of the Spirit and I've realized as I've moved through this series that anytime I, I say them out loud, I mean, I learned them from a little kid, but I always leave out at least one. And some of you, yes, yeah, self control. <laughs> there's a difference between leaving it out when you list them and then practicing them. <laughs> um, you know, this is a, it's a humbling list of what it means to have lives. That, that have a harvest and bear fruit. And we've been doing this series since Easter because it is a sign of new life. When there is new life and growth, when there have been things that have been lying dormant within your lives for years, and all of a sudden the roots are strong and the leaves begin to appear and your life, begins to bear the fruit of peace. When you need it most... So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness is the one that I've been leaving out, and that's what I'm preaching on tonight. (laughs) Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We're actually going to take gentleness and self-control together, um, not next week, but the next. So faithfulness. I want you to think about a vow that you have made in your life. Pick any vow, I mean it could be something more obvious like I have, um, I have said I will and I do to this person even though I, at times I don't and I won't. <laughs> Maybe it's um, that you have made the promise to raise a child and certainly tomorrow we will be celebrating um, many who have made that commitment to nurture and to care For those that uh, are biologically yours or just by the grace of God, they are yours. Maybe you've made a vow to uh, a pet or to a group. But think about a vow that you have made in your lives. It's promises that you're making to someone else or to this entity. It was almost exactly 12 years ago that I made the first vow for life that I've ever made before. (laughs) I was getting ordained within the United Methodist Church. And I was taking a vow um, to love the church and to serve the church. Capital C, church. Church meaning the body of Christ that is alive in the world. And as I was making that vow... um, a little bit outside my personality, I went and got a tattoo. But it turns out once you get one, yeah, I know. Then it's like, well, now I need another one. <laughs> Thank you for seeing me. <laughs> so um, I, I've got a few of them that are uh, on my arms, so that I can uh, see them quite regularly. But I got the tattoo that says Shalom. Um, which in Hebrew is a greeting, Uh, it is to say hello and goodbye. It is most kind of basically translated as peace. But shalom all throughout the Old Testament, and Jesus refers to it in the New Testament, shalom means for things to return to their intended created state. So God writes to the people who are in Babylon and he says, set up roots, get a town home, buy a condo, plant a garden. You're going to be there for a while. But if you work to make sure that Babylon, this place that you've been thrown into, that it has shalom, then it turns out you'll have shalom as well. And so as I was, for me, taking my own vows to serve the life of the church and knowing that church is not a building, it's a bunch of people Lord help us, <laughs> people like me. Lord help us. I say, God, if, if I can, if I can make, and really, it's not a promise that I'm making to God, but it's I'm returning. God, this is your vow to all of creation, that creation, humanity plants, animals, everything, will experience and be returned to the very thing that it was created to be, and there will be shalom. Now, I also stood before someone in a really fancy robe, and uh, as the bishop, she put her hand on my head. And as I put my hand on the tattoo, my parents stood with me, another good friend, and then I had a couple of little figurines that are little homies that just remind, anyway, (laughs) I am still 12 years old at heart. (laughs) But she asked me, will you be faithful in prayer and study of the Holy Scriptures and with the help of the Holy Spirit, continually rekindle the gift of God that is in you? To which I said, I will with the help of God. She asked, will you do your best to pattern your life in accordance with the teachings of Christ? I will, with the help of God. Will you, in the exercise of your ministry, lead the people of God to faith in Jesus Christ and participate in the life and the work of the community, not the church, the community, and seek peace, justice, and freedom for all? To which I said, I will, with the help of God. And much like many vows that you all have made, I want to do that in sickness and in health, in need or in plenty, for richer or for poorer, (laughs) for better or for worse, when I feel like it and when I don't. And Friends, enjoying and being a part of a local church we do. We make vows. I mean, this is the second Saturday of the month. We'll, we'll open up an opportunity at the end of the service if you want to join Mercy Street. But really what we are saying yes to is the vow that God has made with each one of us. That you would be one in me and I in you. Because I have created you beautifully and fearfully and wonderfully made. And trust me on this one, my child, I will return you to the state in which I have created you. I don't know about you, but that gives me hope day after day after day. And because I've only got three or so more of these sermons with you, I just want to take personal privilege to say in the eight years that I have been here, it has been easy to keep these vows. Do you know why? Because I know I haven't kept them perfectly, and you're okay with that. (laughs) That's the thing about making vows and promises. The fruit of the Spirit is to be faithful. It is to be, as Eugene Peterson said, a long obedience in the same direction. But we do that in community so that when we are pointed off center, we have others in our lives that say, remember the promise that God made to you. And renew your vow and your promise to God. And we do that with one another too in small groups in different ways. And so tonight if there's anywhere that I want to land, I want it for us to, uh, perhaps it is a particular vow in your life right now, a relationship. And tonight will be a chance to just kind of do a little bit of step inventory on it and, and see the places where you need to renew the vow and the promise. And most of all, to think about the vow that God has made for you. For some of us in the room, <laughs> I don't know, maybe this is the first time you're hearing it, but God has made promises to you that God will be faithful. All my life you have been faithful, God. We're going to read for our scripture as a way of... Uh, kind of doing this inventory and work we're going to read from john chapter 17. this is one of jesus's most well-known prayers and uh bill d is here to read would you give him some encouragement
1: they do not but bol- can you hear okay sorry they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world sanctify them in the truth your word is truth as you have sent me into the world so I have sent them into the world and for their sakes I sanctify myself so they may also be sanctified in truth I ask not only on behalf of these but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their word and that, and that that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one, as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory, which you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love for which you have loved me may be in them and I in them
0: and so jesus is praying this prayer this is before he is headed to the garden of gethsemane it's before he will walk through the kidron valley he they are somewhere in between the upper room and making their way out of the city and jesus uh, we believe just begins to pray out loud And he's praying for these that have been closest to him, that they would remain close to one another, that they would be connected to the love of God just as Jesus and the Father are connected. And he's praying these words as he knows that three of them are about to fall asleep in the garden and the rest of them are about to scatter as soon as the swords and the clubs come out. So Jesus is praying not only for that moment, that the root system of their lives would remain strong. He's praying not only for that moment but for a thousand moments that were come. And then in an incredible just kind of view into this cosmic beauty that is going on right now. Jesus says, "I'm not only praying for these, I am praying for every single person who will hear about my glory." And the word for glory is is um Not like rock and roll, like, yeah. ah." I know that's probably going to look real bad on the tape, but uh, glory means like, um, have you ever experienced a moment and it's just like, it just lands on you? It's like heavy, like, whoa. That's glory. see in this prayer from Jesus time to time I return to it and tonight we had it read into your hearing so that you can return to it that it is difficult to be faithful in all of the vows and promises that we have made in our lives and it's certainly difficult to remember God's faithfulness to us but if we can remember that Jesus was praying for us then and praying for us now and not just, oh, dear Lord, help this group of misfits and screw-ups. <laughs> he, he's, he's praying for this, this unity and this oneness. Because, friends, that is shalom. That is what we have intended and been created to be. It says in Hebrews 11, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not yet seen. As that verse was coming to mind and I was typing it out, I wrote, Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Once again, that's incorrect. (laughs) My own bias is coming out. It It is the assurance. It is the promise. It is the vow that God has made. It's the things that we hope towards. But we just can't see them yet. Paul Tillich says, doubt is not the opposite of faith, it is an element of faith. Doubt is not the opposite of faith, it is an element of faith. And I would also say, God is the only one that is perfect in keeping vows and promises. And so, just by way of kind of thinking about uh, that vow and that promise that came to mind earlier... Of someone in your life, in these vows and what it means to be faithful and what it means to to kind of hold on to the promise. First, we need to remember who we are and whose we are. Jesus says in John seventeen verse sixteen, "Father, they" meaning the disciples, also meaning us, "do not belong to the world. The world and and." Ooh, we use this, these, these terms in like church like word and flesh and good and bad. And What Jesus is saying here is we do not belong to the things that the eyes can see, the cosmos. We belong to God. And the things of God are evidenced and revealed in what we can see occasionally, but most of the time from what we cannot see. Remember who you are. We are those who belong to God. That is true for every person in this room. Remember that Jesus says, God, I pray that you would sanctify them in your truth. That you would wash them, that you would renew them, that you would surround them, that you would set them apart, and they would hear the still, small voice inside that would remind them the truth of who they are. There's a relationship right now where the promise and the vow seems fragile between you and another person or you in a group. Perhaps pause and remember for yourself. (laughs) I don't need to prove a point. I don't need to make my point. I remember that I belong to God and they belong to God. And God, that you would sanctify me. You'd set me apart. You would remind me of truth. The second thing is, uh, and I have learned this so much over these last eight years in being uh, near and a part of the wisdom of the rooms, that in a vow, in a promise that we make, we can only do our part, but we have to do our part. (laughs) Maybe, uh, You can relate. Occasionally, depending on if it's a a, a vow in a relationship or sometimes, dear Lord, I have always been the student in the group project that does my part and does everybody else's part. The martyr that I am. No, the control freak that I am. (laughs) But sometimes we... We begin to show up in relationships, and we're trying to do our part to be faithful, and we're trying to make sure the other person can remain faithful, and we are just outside of our lane, left, right, and center. And do you know what that ends up leading to? Not happy and healthy relationships. (laughs) Resentments. And stuff. thing that's fascinating to me about this prayer is this is Jesus who was the word made flesh the one that spoke all of creation into being the one who was with the father from the foundation of the world and he is saying in this moment I've done my part and father you have done your part and now these disciples will do their part You see, the vow that God has made is not a vow that begins to encircle and enclose. The vow that God has made with creation of shalom is to set apart a people for a purpose in order to be a blessing. We used to say it all the time on Sunday mornings in Chapelwood, we are blessed to be a blessing. We have a part to play in the promises of God. And so does God. Which goes to this next part. We get the awesome opportunity to admit our mistakes, that we are not going to be perfect in keeping our promises and keeping our word with one another and with God. But you see, the love of God that woos us into this place of kindness and confession, God says to us, You don't have to be perfect, you just have to be honest. And in our vows and our promises with one another, sometimes the mistake gets made, the lie gets told, and before you know it, it's just this like ball of yarn. And we begin to hide back in places of shame or fear. If we remember whose we are, that we are a beloved child of God, made in the beauty of God, but also flawed, if we can remember that we have a part to play, that we can say the hard words of honesty, then I promise you, (laughs) it's not that every circumstance and every relationship just magically gets healed, but I promise you, you will begin to experience the fruit of the Spirit, of peace. There'll be a patience that'll come, a kindness that will well up within you. So remember who you are, do your part, admit your mistakes, and then finally live into the purpose. In the rooms, there is a singleness of purpose that unites people that come together. For us, as followers of Jesus, we have a singleness of purpose. And as a pastor and one who is a part of the church and leading. Sometimes I think I forget the singleness of purpose. <laughs> the singleness of purpose is to make sure every serps, every person remembers and hears this promise that God loves you. God loves you. Yes. This is a kid. Hey, what's up? <laughs> he's like, make an eye contact. Now he's embarrassed. To live into the purpose, to seek out the hurt, the lost, and the seeking, to lift the cone of shame, to reach out to the alcoholic who still suffers, to respond to the plaguing disease in the United States today, the number one cause of death is loneliness. It's recently superseded cancer and other diseases. There's a a prayer by a monk named Thomas Merton that I've used several times over the years and I know will be familiar to many of you. This is his prayer of faithfulness. And uh, as we come close to wrapping up tonight, I've actually got copies of the prayer here if you'd like to take one home. I'm going to read it through one time and then I'm going to invite us to pray this together. But before we do that, I want you to circle back to that vow, that promise, that relationship that might need some some tending, to do a little inventory on faithfulness, on a long obedience in the same direction, and to think specifically about the vow and the promise that God has made with you, and how tonight to renew it, to restore it, to remember it. Thomas Merton says, my Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself, and the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. So he has this whole preamble on like, faithful i don't know if i even know how to do this (laughs) i can tell you the number of couples i've married over the years and you can just see it in their eyes like i don't know i i do i do i do i do i do (laughs) sort of (laughs) every day but today Merton, and he's, he's thinking about his relationship with, with God, and also he was living in, in covenant and vow with other brothers in his brotherhood. But um, So he says all this, like, I don't even know what faithfulness looks like. I don't even know what it means to walk the road. I don't even know that I know myself. But yet, I believe that the desire to please you, God, does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know know nothing about it. Friends, that, that, that desire to please God is a leaning in towards all of the promises God has made to you. In the very last part of the prayer, he says this. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear for you are ever with me and you will never leave me to face my perils alone.